Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features both parts of a Dragnet storyline called The Big Gent. They first aired in July 1950. The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to a robbery detail. A holdup has been committed in a neighboring city. A bystander is shot to death. Two others are wounded. The bandits are ruthless, well-armed. Your job? Get them. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke extra mild Fatima. Yes, Fatima is the king-size cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild. To give Fatima a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. Enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. Best of all, long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, October 6th. It was cool in Los Angeles. We were working a day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Captain Ed Walker. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from Calvary Cemetery. It was 11.45 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery detail. Joe, how'd the funeral go? Yeah. Pretty good turnout. Sure sorry I couldn't make it. Well, one of us had to be in court. Yeah. A lot of the boys out there, huh? Yeah. Martin had a lot of friends. He was a good cop. You see his wife? Yeah. Wife took it hard again. Pretty hard, yeah. Are you about ready for lunch? You better make up the logbook first. Now we're a little behind. Yeah, all right. Hi, Stu. Ben, what's with you? Oh, same old thing. Say, what's the DR number on that job we handled yesterday? Hmm? The grocery store thing? You know, we showed those mug shots to the victims. Remember the DR number on it? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it here. Uh, 1931, Jack Taylor and I had him. First big one we ever drew. That's so. Did you ever hear of him? Used to call him the gentleman bandit? Yeah, 1931, Claude. That's 18 years ago. Cheney was the biggest of them. Came from a wealthy family, too. Father's a millionaire. You sent him up, huh? Sent Quentin. Tried to break out with a partner. His partner killed a trustee. Cheney was sent to Folsom. From a millionaire family. That's a queer one. Yeah. Well, how about that lunch, fellas? Yeah, let's go. Seems like it could have been yesterday. 1931. 
We grow old right along with the thieves, huh? Where we go? Federal cafe? Sorry, it was me. Eighteen years. Yeah. Sure goes by in a hurry. I wonder if Cheney thinks so. As far as day-to-day routine goes, police work is pretty much like any other job. To the rookie detective just starting in, there's new things to see, new things to learn. But five or six years on the detail and the job gets pretty ordinary. You see a lot of dirt, a lot of trouble and tragedy, and after a while you begin to wonder what all the glamour's about and the excitement that's supposed to go along with the job. The fall months went by pretty slow. On November 3rd, we closed a case against a gang of drugstore hold-up men. In December, Ben's youngster fell off a fence and sprained his wrist. My Uncle George from Renton, Washington, visited my mother and me in January. Stayed a couple of weeks. On January 28th, it rained. Ben and I checked into the office where we got a phone call from Lieutenant Mort Gear of the San Diego Police Department. He gave us additional information on a finance company holdup which had been pulled in San Diego the day before. In the robbery, one bystander had been shot and killed and another one wounded by the two bandits. They also shot a police officer three times through the stomach when he tried to stop him. Next day, Sergeants Ormsby and McGuire from San Diego arrived and we helped him check the suspects through the stats office. A couple of bad ones, Joe. Both have guns and they use them. One of them got away in a car and the other one on foot. Is that right, McGuire? Yeah, a big one used the car. Well, size ought to help some. Let's see, 45 years old. Height, six foot one or two inches. Weight, 275 to 85 pounds. Anybody get a look at the car, Armstrong? Blue Ford sedan, 1940 or 41 model. That's all we got. Mm, it's a rough one. After all the shooting, the witnesses didn't know what they saw. All mixed up. Well, how about the other one, the guy who got away on foot? He's a WMA, about 50 years old. Five feet eight, nine inches, 145, 55 pounds. Where's glasses? Yeah, we got that on the teletype. Is that all? Uh, no, we traced from the Greyhound bus depot about six blocks from the holdup. Changed his clothes in the washroom there, left behind a coat and a gun. Yeah. The coat was kind of give parolee some state pen. Mm-hmm. Checked it through our crime lab. Same kind of suits are issued to all ex-cons. No make. Well, at least you know one of them's an ex-con. How about that gun you found? It's a murder weapon. Our ballistics men went over it, no prints. Tried to trace the serial number, no record. CII in Sacramento is trying to run it down. Well, we got any hunches? A few. We're almost sure both of them had gone the route before... Pretty cool. Shot down three people, didn't bat an eye. How much did they take in the holder? 11,000. Hey, your stats office make a run those descriptions yet? Here this morning, Orin Ice got the list of possibilities. They're pulling the mud cast now. I'll be winding it up right now, don't you think? Yeah, let's check. This way, fellas. Yeah. Go ahead, Orin. Oh, thanks. How's the wife, Orin? Oh, fine, Ben. She's expecting again. What are you going to do, raise an army? Four kids? That's not so bad. McGuire's wife wants six. How about that, Mac? We've got five now. No point in quitting when you're ahead. <laughs> Frank? Hey, Joe. You know Russ Ormsby and Tony McGuire, don't you? San Diego PD? Yeah, sure. Man, I'm last trip. Hi. Hi, Hi Frank. Good to see you. Good. Just ready to call you. Got those mug shots together for you. Here, got them right here. Okay. There you are. For suspect one, this is for number two. Okay, Frank, we'll check them out with the witnesses. There's one mug there. Here, let me show you. Yeah, this one. Yeah. It matches the description pretty close. Safe man betrayed, but he can go any route. Name's Weber. First name? Stanley. Mm-hmm. Call him Turk, I think. Nickname. Know anything about it? He's an ex-con. Ormsby and McGuire drove back to San Diego to show the mug shots to the holdup witnesses and see if they could get an identification. Late the next afternoon, they called back to tell us that Stanley Turk Weber had definitely been identified from his mug shot by four of the five witnesses as one of the holdup men. His partner remained unidentified. We called Turk Weber's parole officer, got all the available information on the suspect, including his latest address, an apartment house on North Alameda. Weber wasn't there. We talked with the apartment house manager, and he told us that Turk hadn't been seen there since the day before the San Diego robbery and murder. We had a stake output on the apartment, and Ben and I went back to the office and had the record bureau pull Weber's package. On his mama sheet, Ben spotted a familiar name, Henry Garson, another ex-con, who was listed as one of Turk Weber's closest friends. Well, we got a hold of Garson's parole officer. He told us Garson had had his parole transferred to San Diego, where he disappeared two weeks before he was wanted for violation of parole. We tried to check Weber through his relatives. We couldn't find any. But Henry Garson's report showed that he had a brother, Al, who ran a dry cleaning shop down in Seal Beach. He had no criminal record. The next morning, we drove down to see him. 
Yeah, Henry came around last July. It's the last time I saw him. I wanted to borrow my car. You got any idea where he might be now? No. You're his brother. I don't know where he is. That's the truth. I don't want to know where he is. Was anyone with him when he came to see you last? No. You know who his friends are? Friends? No. Would you look at these pictures, please? See if you can identify any of them. All right, just... These here. No. Mm. Ah. How about these? No. No. No, no, look, can't you talk to me later? It's not good for business having cops around a shop. Who would you yell for if a shop was held up, Mr. Carson? What's that got to do with it? Your brother's in trouble. We might stop him from getting in deeper. Look away, man. Hello, Mrs. Runner. Good morning, Al. I help you? No, Rush. You go ahead and wait in the gentleman. No, no that's, that's all right. right. They're just waiting. Just waiting. I help you? My husband's so clean and pressed. Can you have by Tuesday? Tuesday, yeah, I'll drink. My plaid jacket being pressed. Uh-huh. Can you sort this little stair here? Where? Yeah, yeah, we take care of that. Tuesday, all right. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Miss Runner. All right, Al. Bye. Bye, Miss Runner. Thanks. I don't like to hold you up, Garson. Just a few more questions. All right. Now, you said the last time your brother was here, he wanted to borrow your car. Is that right? That's right. Did you let him have it? I let him have nothing. How about the rest of you, family? Oh, can't you let us alone? If Henry's in trouble, let him take care of it. we got troubles enough of our own. This is important, Garson. We've got to have your cooperation. Well, why me? Oh, Henry's no good. I admit it. He's still my brother. Yeah. You ask me to send him to jail? If he belongs there, yeah. Look, I don't want any trouble. There won't be any. My mother lives in Santa Barbara. Just moved there. I got the address. Henry goes to see her every once in a while. When's the last time you saw her? Two weeks ago. I was there, too. And something else. That's sad. Henry had a gun. 11 a.m. Tuesday. Ben and I drove back to the office and put in a call to the Santa Barbara Police Department. We asked him to put a stake out on the home of Henry Garson's mother and to notify us the minute Garson was apprehended. We contacted San Diego and told him what we'd found out. After that, we doubled back on Turk Weber. From one of our informants, we heard that Weber and Garson had gone into some kind of a business together. For a bank roll, they'd succeeded in getting a loan from the Second National Bank out in Glendale. 1 p.m., we drove out and checked with the manager of the bank's loan department, Mr. Peabody. Here we are, officers. Stanley T. Weber, Henry Garson. Loan papers were signed over a month ago. What kind of a loan was it, Peabody? Business loan. Garson Weber came in with another man. They talked to our manager, Mr. Ascot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. What business are they in? Trucking concern. They wanted the money to buy equipment, more trucks. How much money did they borrow? $4,500, usual terms. I guess you inquired into their background. Oh, yes, their whole financial background. Did you know that Garson and Weber are both ex-convicts? I beg your pardon? I said, did you know that both of them are ex-convicts? You sure you haven't made a mistake? Henry Garson, Stanley T. Weber? Yeah, that's right. What'd they offer for collateral? Well, they had some of their equipment, two trucks, and then, of course, there was the cosigner. Who was that? The name's right here on the loan papers. I see. Right here. Co-signer, Frank Cheney. Two thirty PM. Ben and I checked back into the office and went down the hall to R and I. We pulled a package on Frank Bertram Cheney. White male American, five foot eight and a half inches, hundred and fifty two pounds, brown hair, brown eyes. The record read like a dime novel. Almost twenty years before, Cheney had crashed into the headlines of Pacific Coast newspapers as the gentleman bandit. Maybe some of the news stories were exaggerated, but the record showed that he actually owned a yacht, three expensive cars, an apartment house. In spite of all this, he decided to settle for a career of robbery and murder. At the age of 30, he was the most sought-after man on the Pacific Coast. Finally, in 1931, after tracking him for a year and a half through more than a dozen armed robberies, Sergeants Thaxter and Taylor of the Los Angeles Police Department brought him in. He served 18 years at San Quentin in Folsom Penitentiaries, and then he won his parole at the age of 48. We checked his parole officer, and he had nothing to report against him. We checked back in at robbery detail and met with Captain Ed Walker. How about Cheney's friends, Weber and Garson? Nothing yet? Not a thing, Skipper. Stakeout's still on Garson's mother's place in Santa Barbara. Weber's apartment's still covered. You called San Diego about this, the Cheney angle? Yeah, we briefed him. They got all the mug shots down there. Weber's definitely been tagged as one of the men on that finance company job. I figured Garson for the second man, but none of the witnesses have picked out his mugshot. You talked to Cheney's parole officer, hmm? Yeah, I did. He gave us Cheney's last address. 
Same as the one on his ex-con registration, but he's moved. Didn't notify the office. What does that leave you? Well, I talked to the manager at the apartment. He gave us a couple of addresses to run down. I guess we better start getting on it, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's getting late. Keep in touch. I'll notify if anything breaks here. Right. In just a minute. Robbery, Walker. Who? Yeah, just a minute. You, Joe. Thank you. San Diego. Thanks. Friday. McGuire, Joe. How you doing? Good. You got something? We had the holdup witnesses back in again this afternoon. Showed them more mugshots. Yeah. Picked out Weber's partner in the holdup. Yeah. Name's Frank Cheney. Listening to Dragnet, the case history of a police investigation presented in the public interest by Fatima Cigarettes. If you smoke a long cigarette, it will be in your interest to listen to a typical case history of a Fatima smoker. It's the case of Lee Silver, general assignment reporter on one of New York's greatest newspapers. You'll see his picture in leading magazines this week. And here is his actual signed statement. When you have to meet a news deadline, you work at a fast pace, smoke at a fast pace. That's why I smoke Fatima. They're extra mild. In my opinion, it's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. And more and more smokers are discovering this every day. Actual figures show Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. So enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. The king-size cigarette, which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos, superbly blended to make it extra mild. You will prefer Fatima's much different, much better flavor and aroma. You will agree. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. The best of all long cigarettes. Tuesday, January 31st, 4 p.m. In addition to the San Diego teletype, we got out a local broadcast and an APB on Frank Cheney. By 4.30, Ben and I had checked out the first of two addresses where Cheney's former landlady told us that he might be staying. It was a rooming house out on West Washington. The owner told us that Cheney had stayed at his place for a few days, but that had been more than two months before. He had no idea where the suspect might be. We then drove to the second address. It was an apartment house on West Stanford near Slauson. Manager's name was Mrs. Pritchard. Why, yes, I believe Mr. and Mrs. Cheney are home. They've been in all day. Which apartment is they in, ma'am? Number seven, straight down the hall on your right. Thank you. They uh, may be having dinner now. Are they expecting you? Be all right, ma'am. Thank you. the door. It's open. Come on. The apartment was deserted. We checked the bedroom and the kitchen. There were obvious signs of a fast getaway. On a card table in the living room, we found the remains of a quick dinner. Two places were set. One plate was almost clean, the other hardly touched. The coffee on the stove was still lukewarm. We called the office and arranged for a stakeout. Then we went back down the hall and talked to the manager again about a month ago, Sergeant. They looked like any other newly married couple. Did you notice if they had any visitors, Mrs. Pudgeon? Well, they might have, but I didn't notice. Did you notice anything odd about them at all? Mm, only that one thing. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Mr. Cheney always seemed to have plenty of money. Put down two months rent in advance. But he didn't seem to have a job. Yes, ma'am. Well, every morning he'd sleep late, but his wife was up at 8 o'clock to go to work. Where'd she work, you know? Well, company calls Thompson and some other name. Offices are down on South Hope. Uh, builders, I think. Homes and mm-hmm. My phone. Would you excuse me? Yes, ma'am. Go right ahead. Hello? Oh, yes. What? Yes, two police officers. Miss Pritchard, no. Hello? Janie? Yes, he hung up. <laughs> Alert for Cheney and his wife was broadcast, with special attention for the south end of the city. The wife's name and description was added to the APV. The next morning, Ben and I located her place of employment, Thompson and Kilkenny, a big construction company. The office manager told us that three days before, Mrs. Cheney had resigned her job by letter. 
she asked that her final paycheck be sent to her mother who lived in Marysville, California. We contacted the Marysville Police Department immediately and the home of Cheney's mother-in-law was placed under 24-hour surveillance. We now had more than a half a dozen stakeouts going. A week passed. Nothing. Cheney and his wife seemed to have dropped completely from sight. Wednesday, February 9th, we got a tip from the Santa Barbara police that Cheney's friend, Henry Garson, was in Los Angeles working in an auction house on Wilshire Boulevard. We ran it down. It looks like a high-class place. Well, they got a nice crowd, haven't they? Mm-hmm. No, thanks. We'd like to see the manager, please. You're all right. Let me see. Oh, yes, over there by the claim desk. Uh, the man in the dark suit, Mr. Wolf. Thank you, thank you. Willie? Yeah? Police officer, sir. We'd like to check on a man who's supposed to be one of your employees, sir. Oh, that's so? What's his name? Um, here's his picture. Can you identify? Why, yes. That's Johnson, the new clerk. You want to talk to him? Yes, sir. All right. Right this way. He's back in the storeroom. Some kind of trouble? We'd like to talk to him. Yes, all right. Let's see. Oh, yes. There he is. Uh, Johnson. Oh, Johnson, would you come, come on, Ben? running for. Johnson, come here. Out the back. Yeah. There he goes. He's heading up the street. Come on. Yeah. He got on that bus. All right, come on. Let's double back to the car. Yeah. Hurry. Yeah. You see the bus? Yeah. Come on, move it. Yep. Yeah. All right, hit the siren. That did it. The driver's pulling over. Pull up behind the bus there, huh? Come on, let's go. You cover the back door, will you? Open your door. Police officers want to check your passengers. Open that rear door right away. Yes, sir. All right, Garson, get off. Getting off, cop. I'll make a hole. Drop it, Garson. He's got a gun. I said I'm getting off. Right, let's drop it. Come on. Good, Joe. You okay? Yeah. Let's get him off again. Hey, what's it all about? He do something wrong? Yeah. He didn't get off when we asked him to. Nine p.m. Wednesday, we drove Garson to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital, where he was treated for minor cuts and bruises. Then we took him back to the office of the interrogation room. We called San Diego and notified them of the arrest. From 10 o'clock that night until 10 the next morning, Captain Walker, Ben, and I questioned Garson. He refused to admit that he even knew Frank Cheney or Kirk Weber. By noon, he was pretty tired. So were we. At 12.05, a call came through from San Diego. On Friday, this is Russ Ormsby. Yeah, Russ. Press lead on Kirk Weber. Uh, he's got a sister living in San Clemente. Yeah. When's that? This afternoon. 3.15 p.m. We got to the San Clemente turnoff, and a few minutes later, Ormsby and McGuire arrived from San Diego. We drove to the home of Weber's sister on South Orange Street and identified ourselves. She told us that Turk had been there that morning, but that he'd gone to the races at Del Mar for the afternoon. Did your brother say he was coming back? Said he might be back. He wasn't sure. Did he go to the racetrack alone? Yeah. Was he going to meet anyone there? I don't think so. He didn't mention it. You driving a car? No, he took the bus to the track. I see. Where would he most likely go if he doesn't come back here? I don't know. Maybe back to L.A., maybe San Diego. I don't know. Do you know if your brother Turk is going to meet Frank Cheney? How could he? Turk says Cheney's up north someplace with his wife. Told me that this morning. Where up north? He didn't know. Mm Mm-hmm. You and McGuire want to stake out here, Ormsby? Ben and I will hit the track. Yeah, okay. Look, I can't have cops here if Turk comes back. You think I framed him. You can get over it. You don't know Turk when he gets sore. He goes out of his head. He'll kill me. Why worry, miss? Huh? He'll have to kill us first. Three forty-five p.m. 
Ben and I left Weber's sister's house and drove down to the racetrack at Del Mar. We got there just at the start of the seventh race. We had no idea whether the suspect was still there or not. We alerted the security police, gave them mug shots of Weber. Then we went to the public address booth in the clubhouse and talked to the man in charge. A few minutes later, the trap for Weber was set. Mr. Stanley T. Weber, please come to public address board. We waited. Ben stationed at a vantage point on one side of the booth, me on the other. Minutes passed. Weber didn't show. Ben caught my eye and shrugged his shoulders. Mr. Stanley T. Weber, please come to public address board. Emergency telephone call. Mr. Stanley T. Weber, please come to the public address booth. The announcer was barely finished when I saw Ben motioning. I looked and saw a large man heading up the cement ramp. When he got to the top, he turned to his right and headed straight for the public address booth. It was Turk Weber. Hold it right there, Weber. Uh, Police officers, get your hands up. What is this? You lousy cops, I'll have you busted for this. David Weber, get your hands up. Who tips? What difference does it make sense, Tim? You'll never get him. You'll never get him in 20 years. Never get who? You know who. Chaney. It's too smart for you. You'll never get him, not in 20 All years. All right, we got you, Weber. Shake him, Ben. I'll shake you, copper. Watch it, Ben. Let go. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. All right. That's it. He's sure a big package. Yeah. Put that over here. Did that fall out of his pocket? Hmm. It's like a tip sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Blue Boy's Peerless Selection for Thursday. It's amazing how many long cigarette smokers are changing to extra mild Fatima. Here is the actual report. From coast to coast, extra mild Fatima has more than doubled its smokers. Yes, more and more smokers every day are discovering that Fatima is the king-size cigarette that is extra mild. Extra mild because it contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild. To give it a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. Best of all, long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. After identifying Frank Cheney as the man who did the shooting in the San Diego holdup and murder, Stanley T. Weber was tried and convicted of participation in the robbery and received a sentence of life imprisonment. Henry Garson was cleared of any complicity in the holdup killing, but he was returned to prison for violation of parole and for several burglaries in San Diego and Los Angeles. Both men are now serving their terms in the state penitentiary. Next week... Frank Cheney, the Gentleman Bandit, Part Two. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Fatima Cigarettes, the best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet from Los Angeles. Next, Sarah's private caper with comedian Sarah Berner on NBC. 
story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. Three persons are shot down in a $12,000 holdup. One of the bandits is apprehended, convicted, and sent to prison for life. The other one is still at large. Your job, get him. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke extra mild Fatima. Yes, Fatima is the king-size cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild. To give Fatima a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. Enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. Best of all, long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, June 6th. It was cloudy in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Captain Ed Walker. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from communications, and it was 11.35 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery division. Joe? How are you? Oh, hi, Dave. Message in the book for you. Came in a couple of minutes ago. Oh, thank you. Woman's voice. Wanted you to call as soon as you got in. Yeah, thank you, Dave. I get it now. George Street Juvenile Bureau, Miss Bentley. Uh, Policewoman River there, please. Just a minute. River? Hold on, please. All right. Miss River. Dorothy? Joe Friday. Oh, yes, Joe. You get the message? Yeah. You worrying about your purse? I can't find it anywhere. Did I leave it in your car last night? Found it this morning. I can leave it at the desk here if you like. You can pick it up sometime today. Oh, that'll be swell, Joe. Thanks a lot. Sure, Dorothy. I had a wonderful time last night, Joe. I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah. Pretty good movie, huh? Hey, uh, Dorothy? Yeah. Uh, Mother and I were talking this morning at breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, like to come over to the house sometime for dinner? Ma, I'd like to meet you. Oh, well, sure. That'd be fine. I'd like to meet your mother. How about a week from this coming Monday? That's my day off. Is that okay? All right. A week from this Monday. The weather's good. Well, maybe we can have a barbecue out in the back. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Okay. See you later, then. All right, Joe. Bye. Bye. Joe? Hi. How'd it work out, Ben? It didn't. Another false alarm. Sure is a scorcher out today. Four months work and not one solid lead. Where are we going? I haven't got the answer. I've run down so many bum tips, I don't think I'd know the real thing would hit me in the face. Yeah. Romero, Joe? Yes, Gibber? Oh, McGuire and Mort Gear from San Diego just got here. You want to come in? Yeah, right away, Ed. Well, there we are. Yeah. All right. Oh, ben, what do you say? Hey, sit down. Hope you two have more than we have. Saw in that report on the skipper's desk. Four months leg work, cold. Nothing at all? Oh, lots of phony tips, bum leads. We got three stakeouts going. His mug shot's plastered all over town. No go, huh? I don't know. I think he's got the perfect face for a killer. You can hang his description on a million guys. Got nothing on him at all. Ben here just ran down the last lead we own. Yeah, false alarm. Nothing on the APB, huh? Got dust on it. Cold enough to bury. How long has it been since it happened? Back in January, wasn't it? Yeah, 27th. Stanley Finance Company, San Diego. It's all right there in the report, Ed. Yeah, I see. Hold-up shooting, got 12,000. Suspects, Frank Cheney, Turk Weber, Cheney did the shooting. That's what stops me. What's that? Took us a couple of weeks to grab Turk Weber and put him away. Here it's more than four months, and Cheney's still on the loose. Doesn't that? He can't be that smart. 
Well, it's free. I can't think of a better testimonial. What about the other angles, Friday, besides those three stakeouts? We covered the town for Cheney. He had four months of it. Hotels, rooming houses, motor courts, bars, restaurants, the works. Must have a couple of thousand copies of his mugshot spread around. No response? Oh, get four or five calls a day on him. Been going on for weeks now. We check him out. Never the right man. What about his wife? She's still supposed to be with Cheney, isn't she? Funny thing, we haven't had one report on her. Last time the two of them were supposed to have been seen together was five weeks ago. That was up in Stockton. Cheney's mother-in-law lives in Marysville, huh? You still have a stakeout on her house? Yeah, no leads there either. How about it, Mort? Nothing to offer? About the same as up here. There is something we'd like to check on, though. Yeah? One of McGuire's informants was paroled two weeks ago. He served time with Cheney at Folsom. You have anything to say? Yeah. It's his idea Frank Cheney was the most hated man at Folsom. Most of the cons had given their right arm to cool him off. Mm-hmm. What made him so popular? Pretty much of a heel. Ran to the warden's office three times a week regular and formed in the other cons every chance he got. You figure some of them might want to even the score. Mm-hmm. If they know anything, I'm pretty sure they'll talk. Worth a try, isn't it? Their leads can't be any colder than what we got anyway. You gonna need any help, Mark? No, McGuire and I can handle the questioning. We'll go up to Folsom tomorrow. Okay. I don't think there's any argument. This thing needs a quick answer. Joe, you and Ben will have to push a lot harder and a lot faster. Cheney's robbed and killed before. Give him the chance he'll do it again. We've run down all the possible angles, Ed. We've checked every lead we could dig up. There's one you missed. Yeah. The right one. Find it. From the day Frank Cheney had been identified as the killer in the San Diego holdup murder four months before, all of us realized the danger of another killing as long as he was loose. After 18 years in prison, Cheney had a gun and he had his freedom again. We knew he wouldn't give him up easily. Thursday, June 8th, Lieutenant Mort Gear and Sergeant Tony McGuire returned from Folsom Prison. After talking with most of the convicts who knew Cheney well during his prison days, they had a list of more than 40 leads to run down. Ben and I took half of them. We started checking. It went kind of slow, and the results were thin. After running down the first dozen leads, we'd found out nothing about the suspect that we didn't already know. Monday, June 12th, we checked with a John Strezak, supposedly one of Cheney's close friends up at Folsom. He'd been paroled before Cheney, and he was now working at a large commercial engraving firm down in East Main. Yeah, I know Cheney pretty well, Sergeant. Pretty well. Uh... Just a minute, will you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does it. Yeah, I know why you're here, Sergeant. I can't help you. You were pretty close to Cheney up at Folsom, weren't you, Strezak? Best friend? Everybody was his best friend. Everybody could do him some good. You haven't seen or heard from him since he got out, huh? Nope, I don't want to. I learned fast. How do you mean? He's a bum, Sergeant. Some people are born that way. Tried to talk me into a break once. I didn't buy I knew he didn't write to the warden with it. Some people are born that way, bums. You think somebody might be hiding him out? From his pals. How about them? If he's got any pals, I don't know him. I can tell you this, they didn't come out of Folsom. Well, can you think of anything at all that might give us some kind of a lead on Cheney? I wish I could, believe me. Now, I better get back on the job. Shop foreman. He's no better than Cheney, bum. All right, Strezak, thanks a lot. Like, no, if you hear anything, I'm going to leave you one of our cards here. Uh, yeah, okay, Sergeant. Hey, Strizak, what'd you go up for, anyhow? Just what I'm doing. Huh? Engraving. We kept at it, checking out the leads one by one, the same slow, dull routine that we'd been on for four months. It ate up valuable time, but it was necessary. You never know what a lead's worth until you check it out. During the past months, from the least promising sources, we'd uncovered a half a dozen bits of information about the suspect. None of them conclusive, but they helped point the way. We found out Cheney's favorite sport was sailing. Yacht clubs up and down the coast were contacted and asked to watch for him. We learned where Cheney got his eyeglasses, contact lenses. We went to the optician, got the prescription for them, and had copies of it distributed to all optical firms in the area. They got a request for lenses which matched those in Cheney's eyeglasses or contact lenses they were to notify us. From a former college friend, we found out that the suspect was once treated for tuberculosis, and because of this, he drank only goat's milk. All the retailers in the area who sold goat's milk were contacted and alerted. We set up a system to check regularly all the mail received by relatives of both Cheney and his wife. Thursday, June 15th. Hi. San Diego called while you were out. What year? They come up with anything? Yeah. One lead told him Cheney learned the printing trade while he was up at Folsom. Knew the business well enough to work at it. San Diego checking that out? They alerted the printer's union. We'll do the same up here. Mm-hmm. Picture and story on Cheney will be in the union newspaper next week. Yeah. 
Well, we dug up another bit on Cheney. We got it this morning. What's that? Well, instead of ordinary eyeglasses, Cheney's been known to wear contact lenses. You know, glass fits right over your eye. Uh-huh. Good chance he might be wearing them now. Kind of help change his appearance. We got the prescription for the lenses from Cheney's eye doctor. Got the information to all the optical firms in town. Yes. Friday, man out here to see you. Oh, okay, thank you, Dave. All right, that's all. Better contact San Diego. Keep him posted. Right, Skipper. This gentleman here, Joe. This is Sergeant Friday. Yes, sir. How are you, Sergeant? You remember me, Vince Bertoli? Uh, you were in my place last month, the White House Grill. Place down on Alameda? Yeah, that's right. Block from Union Station. Both of you oh, came in. Yeah. You had coffee and an omelet? You liked sure, the omelet? Sure, sure, yeah. What can we do for you, Bertoli? Well, remember you were talking to me? You said you were looking for somebody. You left some pictures in this card of yours here. Yeah, that's right. Well, I lost the pictures. I don't know where I lost them, but I kept your card. That's why I came to see you. Why? Well, as I say, I lost the pictures, but I still have an idea what they look like. Have you seen either one of those people, the man or the woman? Well, that's why I came to check with you. A week ago, one of my steady waitresses quit, and I hired this brunette with a hard luck story. Mm-hmm. Uh, care for a stick of gum? Licorice flavor? No, no. No, thank you. Well, after a couple of days, I remembered that picture you gave me, and I thought she looked a little like it. That's why I kept an eye on her. Did you notice anything out of the ordinary? Mm, you bet. She never dates anybody. Not even me, and I'm the boss. <laughs> Not ugly, either. Yeah. She always claims she's got to get home. Never gives a reason. Says she lives alone. Where does she live? A couple of blocks from my place on North Jersey, I think. I checked the place where she does her shopping. They tell me she buys enough groceries for three people. Mm-hmm. She still insists that she's living by herself, though. Yeah, that's why I thought I'd better check with you. I lost the pictures, but I hung on to your card. Uh, will you take a look at this photograph, Tony? Yeah. Sure, same one you gave me. Looks just like her, Mary Sloan. Who? Mary Sloan. That's her name, isn't it? You want to turn that picture over? Mrs. Frank Cheney. Thursday, 4 p.m. Ben and I drove down to the White House Grill and had a cup of coffee. We got a good look at the waitress whom the owner, Vince Bertoli, suspected of being Mrs. Cheney. We left and waited outside in the car until 5 o'clock when the suspect came out. We followed her to a grocery store and from there to a rundown apartment building on Greystone Alley just off Temple. We waited a few minutes and then we followed her in. The tab on one of the mailboxes read, Mary Sloan, apartment 16. We went up. Which one, Joe? Number 16. It's down this way. Come on. Mm-hmm. I guess we better try the door, huh? Who's there? Who is it? Police officers, open up. What do you want? Open the door. Anybody else in here? My brother. He's sick, sleeping in the next room. He can't be disturbed. Come on, Ben. You can't go in there. Honey, look out! Get out! Joe, the window. All right, get back inside here. Come on, you. Let me go, let go of me. His arms, Ben, grab it, will you? All right, you. herself as Mary Sloan back to the office where they are identified as fugitives from Miami, Florida. The man was wanted on charges of first-degree burglary. The woman was the accomplice. We turned the case over to Bunko Fugitive Detail. A little after 11 o'clock Friday morning, Ben got a tip that Cheney had been seen the night before at a small bar down near Fullerton. That's a Los Angeles suburb. He was supposed to be living in the area. We spent Friday, Saturday, and Sunday tracking it down. It went nowhere. On Monday, for the first time in three and a half weeks, we had some time off. Half a day, I picked up policewoman Dorothy River and drove her out to the house for lunch. We had a barbecue out in the backyard. Certainly a wonderful place you have here, Mrs. Friday. Beautiful garden. Oh, thank you. It's a lot of work keeping it up. Roses didn't do well at all this year. Aphis, you know. Much more spare ribs, Dorothy. The fire's just right now. Oh, no, thanks, Joe. I've had plenty. Care for another cup of coffee, Dorothy? All right, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you could come today, Dorothy. Joseph's been talking so much about you. 
Oh? You surprised me a little when I met you. How's that? How about some more ribs, Ma? No, thank you, Joseph. I don't think you look at all like a policewoman. Most of them are rough-looking, I think. Oh, no, I don't think so. They look like most women, nothing much out of the ordinary about them. Oh? Well, <laughs> times have certainly changed. We didn't have police women when I was a girl. Probably could have used them. Well, I don't know. I don't think we had so much crime then. Times were much different. You seem so young for such work, Dorothy. Police woman. I'm 25, Mrs. Friday. Been with the department almost two years. Oh, yes, you're a young girl. Joseph's 31, you know. Yes, I know. Hey, Ma, how about letting me gather you? The dishes up. Oh, no, no, that's all right, Joseph. You just sit there. Have your coffee. I'm used to this. Have to get used to housework when you're married. I'll bring out the fire. a wonderful dinner, Joe. Your mother's very sweet. Yeah, real subtle, isn't she? <laughs> Motherly instinct. Somebody has to look after you. <laughs> that's the phone, Dorothy. I better grab it. I'll be right back. Okay. I'll answer, Joseph. Never mind, Ma. Let me get it. Friday talking. This is Walker, Joe. Check back in right away. What do you got? Spring and West Temple, the Second National Bank. Yeah? Frank Cheney just held it up. listening to Dragnet, the case history of a police investigation presented in the public interest by Fatima Cigarettes. If you smoke a long cigarette, it will be in your interest to listen to a typical case history of a Fatima smoker. It's the case of registered nurse Shirley Gelman of Los Angeles, California. You'll see her picture in leading magazines this week. Now her actual signed statement. When I go off duty, I appreciate a mild cigarette. Fatimas are extra mild. I can enjoy them more. I agree, it's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. And more and more smokers are discovering this every day. Actual figures show Fatima has more than doubled its smokers coast to coast. So enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. The king-size cigarette, which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos, superbly blended to make it extra mild. You will prefer Fatima's much different, much better flavor and aroma. You will agree. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. The best of all long cigarettes. Monday, June 19th, 3 p.m. I went back to the office, picked up Ben and Captain Walker, and the three of us drove to the scene of the robbery at the corner of Spring and West Temple, the Second National Bank. Ricketts and Thaxter from robbery detail were already there questioning witnesses. We talked to the bank's vice president in charge at the time of the holdup, a Mr. Bronson. He had a welt on the right side of his head and was pretty badly shaken. He had his hand in one of his coat pockets and he walked straight over to me. It's the first thing he said. This is a holdup. You're positive of the identification, Mr. Bronson? I'm certain. This picture here, that's the man, all right. The others will tell you the same. Who's that, Mr. Bronson? The tellers. They all got a good look at him. No mistake. Well, what happened after Cheney approached you? He was very calm, very quiet. Uh-huh. He said, do exactly what I tell you. Call for help, and I'll kill you. He was calm all the way through it, just like it was an ordinary business with him. Did he have you get the money for him? No, he ordered me from back to the front counter there, and we went from cage to cage. Each time, he had me say the same thing to the teller. This is a holdup. Give me all the currency you have. Don't call for help. Now, how many tellers did he have you collect from? Five. Mm-hmm. This line along here, windows one to five. Oh, my knees were shaking so hard I could barely walk. I kept wondering if one of the tellers might try to sound the alarm. Yes, sir. What happened after he got the money? He had me walk in front of him, down there to the side exit. Mm-hmm. That's when he hit me, I guess. Uh, side of my head, you can see here where they bandaged it. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. How much money did he get, do you know? Oh, not quite sure. More than 4000 I can't help but think how lucky I am. That man's a killer. I'm certain of it. Are you sure that we can't fix you up with a ride home? No, no. I'll be all right. Thank you. My wife's on the way down now. Uh, can I see you fellas a minute? Yeah, thanks, sir. Uh, excuse us, will you, Bronson? Yes, certainly. 
Loaded up all the dope on the getaway car, Chaney used. Yeah? At two this afternoon, he went to a used car lot up in Figueroa, about eight blocks from here, asked to be shown a late model Ford. Yeah, go ahead. The salesman took him for a demonstration ride. When he pulled up for an arterial, Chaney jabbed a gun at him and told him to get out. The salesman got out, Chaney drove off. And 15 minutes later, he walked in here and pulled the robbery. That's it. The bank tellers tabbed the same Ford as the getaway car. Broadcasted all points on the car, nothing yet. What time you got, Romero? Mm, ten minutes before. What time did the alert go out, Thaxter? 2.45. Everything covered? Yeah, Union Station, both airports, the bus depots, they're all alerted. Roadblocks set up on the highways. Since 2.45? Just a barn. And changing somewhere in the city. Find him. Six p.m., the search went on. We called into the office and had them notify San Diego of the latest developments in the case. At 7 p.m., the weather started to cloud up. Still no sign of Cheney or the getaway car. At 8 o'clock, it started to rain. A few minutes past 10, a two-door Ford sedan was found abandoned on San Pedro Street near South Park. The license number matched that of Cheney's getaway car. The sedan was impounded and towed to a garage for fingerprinting. Ben called the office, and an emergency detail from Metropolitan Division was sent out to help in a house-to-house canvas of the neighborhood where the car had been found. By 4.30 the next morning, we got nowhere. So we decided to give it up until later in the day. At 6.30 a.m., we had poached eggs and coffee at an all-night drive-in. 7 a.m., it was still raining. We checked back in at the office. I don't know. Seems like every time we have to work late, it's going to rain. You got any of those little white tablets in your locker? At the breakfast, any indigestion? Yeah, I think I got a few left. That reminds me, how'd the dinner come off yesterday? Two of them get along all right? Oh, yeah, all right. You know how it is. Ma had her usual few things to say. Oh? Dorothy handled it pretty good. Good sense of humor. A nice-looking girl. Sensible. Hi. What say, Earl? You doing any good? No, not much. Phone message in the book for you. You're supposed to call as soon as you get in. Hmm. Hempstead 4219. No name? No, you're supposed to call the number, that's all. Oh, okay, well... Well, how's the new house, Earl? Pretty good. Takes a lot of money. Got the forms in for the patio. I'm going to pour the cement this weekend. Mm-hmm. Got the place fenced off yet? Not yet, no. Those pickets cost money. Yeah. Fellas are telling me that you're doing all the work yourself, huh? Me and the brother-in-law, yeah. Cost a lot of money, a new house. Sounds good, Joe. Who was it? Frank Cheney's grandfather. Yeah? Says to come over right away. a.m. It was still raining. Ben and I drove out to the older section of the Wilshire District to the Cheney Mansion. It represented one part of the suspect's life that we could never figure. As a child and later as a young man, Frank Cheney had had every advantage and comfort that a millionaire father could buy for him. Yet for some reason, he'd settled on a career of crime. 7.45 a.m. Ben and I were shown into the main hallway of the Cheney home by the butler. He recognized us from previous visits. He took our hats and coats and then led us up the staircase to the master bedroom at the far end of the second floor. We found Cheney's 82-year-old grandfather propped up in a four-poster bed. His face was gray and sunken. There was a nurse in a white starched uniform standing by. You can go, nurse. Go on. I'll be outside if you need me, Mr. Cheney. Yes, yes. You, um, have some information for us, Mr. Cheney? Of course. I called you. Sit down. Sit down. Thank you, sir. That hold-up yesterday, the bank robbery, I know all about it. Has Frank contacted you? That's like the police get right to the point. Has he contacted you, sir? Yes. Uh, hand me that glass of water, please. Oh, yeah. There. There you are. Uh, thank you. No, no, leave it on the table there. Oh, yes. When Frank got out of prison last year, he came to see me. I offered him one more chance. I told him if he decided to earn his way, he'd have all the help I could give him. He said he would. Yes, sir. I was a fool like everyone else. I believed him. Any idea where Frank is now? I gave him everything it was possible to give him. He wrecked the family, his father's life, my life. Everything he touched, he ruined. You know where he is now, sir? He telephoned me day before yesterday. He was going away, Central America. Why didn't you notify us? 
When he was going away, I thought it'd be better. We've had enough notoriety, newspaper stories. How was he going to get to South America, sir? Swedish ship. He's going to work his way. He called from San Pedro. He's staying in some hotel there. You don't know the name? Find him, take him away. Bury him someplace. Okay, Joe. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Cheney. Sergeant. Yes, sir? Frank will have a gun. He'll try to use it. Yes, sir. Kill him. 9 a.m., Ben and I went back to the office and put in a call to the Swedish vice consulate on South Spring Street. They told us that three days before, a man answering Cheney's description had signed on the Swedish motor ship Southern Cross as a member of the engine room crew. We picked up Sergeants Thaxter and Davis and drove down to San Pedro. The Southern Cross was still taking on cargo when we got there. We showed Cheney's mugshot to the first mate. You're the American. Cameron, that's him. He signed on this trip. Is he aboard the ship now? No, he's right up there on deck. He was there. I guess he went below. What if you take us to him, please? All right. Lindgren? Yeah? Call the All right, this way. The gangway, mind you. Better watch it, then. Yeah. Look forward. Through here. Mm-hmm. Maybe you better stay behind here, sir. We'll take him. What's that? Might be a little trouble here. Do you want to stay behind us? All right. You must stay in the engine room. Stay the head, then turn to your left. Down the companion bay. Right, thank you. Oh, come on, now watch your step. Here. Yeah. Joe. I know. It's on. Come on. Spotted him. All right, Cheney, hold it. He's making a break. Come on. Go on top side. Hustle. Come on up the ladder. Look out, Joe! Give it up, Cheney! He's going for the gangway. Down him, Ben. Yeah. All right, stop him. Come on. Yeah. Through the shoulder. Yeah. Bumped his head when he fell. Better get the cuffs on him. Yeah. Where'd everybody disappear to? She didn't notice when we came aboard. Huh? Look topside. See? Red flag. Oh, yeah. Taking on fuel, huh? There's some of the cargo right over there. Oh. High explosives. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On November 2nd, trial was held in Superior Court, city and county of San Diego, state of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. It's amazing how many long cigarette smokers are changing to extra mild Fatima. Here is the actual report. From coast to coast, extra mild Fatima has more than doubled its smokers. Yes, more and more smokers every day are discovering that Fatima is the king-size cigarette that is extra mild. Extra mild because it contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make it extra mild, to give it a much different, much better flavor and aroma. Enjoy extra mild Fatima yourself. Best of all long cigarettes. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. It's wise to smoke extra mild Fatima. Frank Bertram Cheney was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. He is now awaiting execution in the lethal gas chamber at the State Penitentiary, San Quentin, California. Fatima Cigarettes, the best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet from Los Angeles. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Perhaps the best-known police procedural show of all time. Law and Order, CSI, and all the rest owe a debt of gratitude to Dragnet. In each episode, the listeners only knew as much as the detectives and uncovered the mystery or the culprits right along with Joe Friday, clue by clue. Dragnet started on the radio in 1949. It starred Jack Webb as Joe Friday. Webb went on to star in the television show. Dragnet, at least for the time, was a very adult radio show. 
It dealt with sex crimes, it introduced police jargon, and of course Joe Friday could deal with crime and punishment in a very impersonal and somewhat brutal fashion. His partner, Ben Romero, played a bit of the comedic sidekick. He was the proverbial nervous Nelly, or he was dealing with some little issue with his wife. Luckily, Joe didn't have wife troubles. No, our hero lived the bachelor's life at home with his mother. It's hard to overemphasize just how much Dragnet has become part of popular culture, from the music, dum-da-dum-dum, to the only the names have been changed to protect the innocent phrase, to Joe Friday's unique speaking style. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.